0: This is the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast, the podcast for curious and passionate dental hygienists. Hello, I am Kara Vabrosky with Today's RDH, and I am here with the wonderful, fantastic Emily Bogie, who is the Dental Administrative Chair and Director of both the Dental Hygiene and Dental Assisting Programs at Hawkeye Community College in Waterloo, Iowa. And so today we continue our preventive discussion series sponsored by Dent Supply Thank you. Um, and we are going to discuss the topic of protective
1: eyewear. Yes. I'm so excited to talk about um, clinical practices and being safer and utilizing the appropriate eyewear as a clinician and as a patient.
0: Yes. And so... I And and for both, that's what's really important. Um, I think it's critical that we take the time to focus, pardon the pun, um, on processes we can establish to increase vision safety in the operatory. So let's start out by talking about clinicians' eyewear.
1: Okay, yeah, that sounds perfect. Um, The CDC does include protective eyewear as one of their essential PPE items for every clinician. And so, back in 2003, when we got that big recommendation document for dental health care workers, um, it included some options. So, you know, there were prescription eyewear with side shields, loops with side shields, uh, full lab goggles if you want to wear those um, that have the, the sides on them. Um, so, those updated CDC guidelines have since also stated that dental health care providers should wear a surgical mask with eye protection. So whatever eye protection option you go with as a clinician, a gown or protective clothing and gloves. So that's during all procedures that are likely to generate any splashing or splattering of anything in the mouth or um, of equipment that we utilize. That's right. So um,
0: from a safety and ergonomic perspective, many clinicians are obviously choosing loops um, with a headlamp and side shields as their preference for um, eye protection chair side. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of real lightweight, ergonomically friendly um, options for vision choices that provide both magnification and then that illumination the illumination property as well. So a lot of the manufacturers have really upped their games. And in recent years, we're starting to see a lot more, um, you know, colors, frames. Um, you know, you, you have your headlamps that have the batteries right by the lamp. You have batteries that sit in your pocket that are corded. So many things. And back in the fall of 2004, I was completing a perio scale and I had my protective eyewear in place and I had a little piece of calculus bounce off my head and fall behind my glasses. And I used the the eyewear wash station. Um, I rinsed it out right away. I did everything the way I was supposed to, but then I woke up the next morning and my eye was swollen shut. And so some of that gram-negative bacteria from that periol patient I was working on somehow got in, you know, into my eye, didn't get it rinsed out not like you can take a disinfectant and spray your eye. All you can use is that eye wash station, right? And so I woke up with a really swollen eye. Um, ended up having to go to the doctor the next day over my lunch hour to get my eye drained because it had built up, you know, that quickly. That gram-negative bacteria gets in a place where it can't get any oxygen way back behind your eye. And so the interesting part about this whole story is that I also. Um, after she took care of my eye, she's like, yeah, I'm to put you on some metronidazole. And is there any chance you could be pregnant? And I was like, well, I guess there's always a chance you could be pregnant, right? Because, you know, it ended up having a pregnancy test, found out I was pregnant. And so I got to visit the doctor for my eye. And then I got to find out I was pregnant over my lunch hour. So I'm telling you the things that protective eyewear can prevent, right? When worn correctly. <laughs> No, I'm joking. Um, I did. You know, you you have to learn the hard way sometimes, though, with these bacteria and viruses and microbes. We are we're in an environment where they're all over the place, and because we can't see them, sometimes we just forget about them. and, and my story, I feel like, it proves that even when you're wearing the eyewear, the way you're supposed to wear it. That there's just things that happen sometimes. So, you know, that little gap was enough to for a little piece of tartar to get right in my eyeball. So there you go, right?
0: That's, um, you always have the most interesting stories and I'm <laughs> certainly not going to try and outdo that. <laughs> um, I did have an eye issue two summers ago with something getting in my eye and I'm just going to talk about it. It's not dentistry related, but I promise I'm going to circle back to dentistry. So Two summers ago, um, I was using my blower, blowing off the lawnmower before I put it away. And I tell you, I am, and I don't use the term OCD lightly, but I am there. Um, I, perfectionist, like I always have sunglasses on, my glasses on, something if I'm using the blower, if I'm edging the yard, if I whatever, have ever since I started using a weed eater in the sixth grade, because that was who I was. Um, And I got the talk from my parents, always have eyewear. Okay. So the one time And I am telling you the one time I didn't, and I went out to go blow the lawnmower off really quick, um, a little tiny piece of grass seed and they're super sharp and only about like maybe a millimeter by a half a millimeter across flung into my eye. Now here's the deal. I had no idea. I couldn't tell. It wasn't until maybe a day or two later that I was like, gosh, there's something in my eye. So I started flushing and flushing and flushing and eye drops and eye drops and water and water and water. And I was like, okay, maybe I just scratched my eye. You know how that feels like if you scratch your little eye a little bit, it feels like you have something in it. And so it was almost a week later when I was like, Woke up and was like, "Uh-oh, something is not right." So, emergency visit to the eye doctor, and he um, he was like, "Yeah, so you." And he had to he immediately put numbing in me because I'm in dire pain at this point, and looked in there, and it took actually like microscope, like a he had to really zoom in to see it. And I'm talking embedded. This sucker was mm, an embedded. It was my right eye, I should be pointing at my right eye, um, embedded in. So he literally had to dig it out. And then he had to prescribe me a nap because I needed to keep my eye closed for at least four hours. Um, now, the biggest risk, of course, just like you, infection and then scarring, because either of those things, well, right in the middle of my eyeball where my side of vision is you lose your vision, right? So in the scariest thing about this all, and this is probably TMI, but like I'm allergic to just about every antibiotic under the sun. Mm. So what happens if my eye gets infected? I'm in trouble. So anyways, it ended up being fine. It cleared up, it healed fine. But here's how I'm going to bring it full circle is when this happened and he showed me that little tiny grain of minuscule piece of grass seed. um, I immediately thought of a one little splatter of profy paste.
1: Oh yeah, that stuff flies all over the place.
0: Just, and think of one little pumice piece, right? Flying mm-hmm. into either your eye or the patient's eye. And then you don't know for a while until your eye starts healing around it, which ah. is what happened to me in the grass seed. So that's that's just kind of why I tell that story because all it takes is one little piece of pumice, one little Chunk of calculus, one little splatter of a gram negative bacteria, like you mentioned, we're calculus with it and uh oh. So, anyways, moving on, um, I think I drew that out a little longer than it needed to be. Um, Obviously, I'm traumatized by it. Um, So I guess the next logical question here is, should protective wear be worn for a patient? Absolutely. So the American National Standards Institute, the ANSI, um, encourages all dental professionals to offer approved protective eyewear to every patient every time. Um, This came into greater perspective in 2013 after a patient lost vision in her right eye after a contaminated needle was dropped directly into her eye by her dentist. This resulted in the complete loss of her eye. So many listening today are probably aware of the Jen's vision movement. Um, Jen's vision raises awareness of the importance of offering protective eyewear, um, along with increasing sharp safety in handling packages. Um, So like, not handing it right over the patient's face. Um, Things happen, you forget, but we need to be reminded of these things. So if you're interested in learning more real quick, um, it's jensvision.org. Jen is J-E-N-N-S-F-V-I-S, Jen's Vision. Jen with two Ns. Um, And so as a clinician, you can also get involved in the advocacy efforts um, of this group by visiting their website.
1: Right, I talk about Jen's vision in my infection control programs and in my risk management lectures because I know that a lot of us are required or were required in school to offer our patients eye protection in the chair. But then somehow you get out into practice and I don't know, it just seems to be something that kind of falls off the planet for some people. And I really think Jen's vision is doing a really good job reminding clinicians that, first of all, we need to continue to offer our patients eyewear um, some of the offices that I've talked to, you know, as, as I've traveled the country, talk to me about how they include it in their patient notes, which I think is phenomenal to have that in your template for your patient notes. Either PEW for protective eyewear worn or PEW refused if the patient um, says, no, I don't really want to wear the glasses. Then at least it's their choice. It's not something where, you know, I mean, you're not going to force them to wear it, but, if, well, some might, but. Um, that way, at least you're documenting that the ANSI eyewear was offered and the documentation is such an important step in the process. But man, every time I even hear the phrase Jen's vision, my eyes just like water for that woman. I can't yeah. even imagine having um, a syringe passed over your face to begin with, but then to have it drop and fall in your eye. That's wow. I just can't even.
0: It, it makes me cringe thinking Mm -hmm. about it. But yeah, I agree. So I think Jen specifically, she reminds clinicians that teaching patients to advocate for themselves will empower our patients to know if standards of care are not being met in the dental practice where they are being treated. Um, She says, it is not only important to give the patient eyewear, but to educate your patients on why you are giving them protection. Um, This encourages them to ask for protective eyewear if they are ever somewhere and another clinician just, it slips their mind and they forget to offer it. Um, Jen also says to get in the practice of passing instruments over a patient's chest rather than over their face. Um, Sharp safety is imperative um, if we wanna continue to decrease percutaneous injury um, exposure from needles and dropped instruments.
1: Right. The education is key, right? You don't know what you don't know. And so by telling your patients why you're doing what you're doing, it's just as important as doing it to begin with. And it wouldn't be our patient video if we weren't talking about the infection control part of offering that protective eyewear.
0: Right. So getting to infection control for patient eyewear. um, Mm -hmm. What I did clinically was, and this is so overkill, but Every doctor I worked for was fine with it. And I don't think it is overkill, uh, really, because I think you're. I'm going to ask you about this. So I took, they were just, they weren't expensive, but they were cheap sunglasses that were more like, they look like wraparound. So they were pretty protective, Mm -hmm. tight to the face. Um, I wiped them with my disinfectant wipe and I let it sit for whatever the time of the directions, whether it was one minute, three minute, whatever. Um, And then I proceeded to wash with soap and water. Now, I'm not going to lie. This wore the glasses out quickly. Like it looked like they were like scratched, but- None of the doctors I worked for really cared because so many would, these glasses would get broken anyways. Patients would accidentally walk out with them. So we always had a ton in stock. So it was like, Hey, we're putting this on patient's eyeballs and, um, you know, on their face, like who cares? Let's just have it clean. The patients Um, don't need to see through them anyway.
1: They're not the ones doing the work.
0: That's true. Now I will say when they did get a little scratched, I had I would always check them because um patients would be like, Are these clean? And it's like, oh, they're so clean you don't even know. That's why they look the way That's they why it. they're scratched. <laughs> yeah. So I I would, you know, have to change them out. And yes, we went through them. But um the thing is, is there is so much buzz on like social media um centered around the way clinicians are cleaning and disinfecting their protective eyewear um, between and pre- patients protective eyewear between
1: patient visits. So
0: Right. And say you.
1: You you brought up a lot of interesting points. My first thing that I, I really want to comment on is this whole concept of overkill. So I feel like clinicians that are doing what the CDC says get a bad rap because then they're like, oh, you're the infection control crazy person in the office. Like, no, I'm I'm following the recommendations. So like I don't think it's overkill. I think it's doing your job. Like I think part of the reason why part of the frustration why um people get like grumpy about infection control is people are just trying to meet the minimum standards. I think if everyone would try to exceed the minimum standards, then we would meet the minimum standards. I don't know. I just have I'm, I'm getting really hung up on people saying that people are or infection control crazy. It's like no, it's being aware of what's going on around you and that's important. So one thing with glasses is I've been hearing a lot of chatter on social media about people not cleaning the glasses in between patients, whether they're a loops or just you know the regular patient safety wraparound glasses or the regular clinician safety glasses. Um, people not having cleaned them adequately or concerns about your team members not cleaning theirs adequately. So I really think this is something where maybe at a team meeting we can we can just review, have that crucial conversation of, hey, I noticed that some of us aren't wiping down our glasses between patients the way we maybe should, and we don't want anybody to get sick. So just gentle reminders. Um, my best advice is to be sure that the same steps are taken to clean the clinician's glasses that we're using to clean the patient glasses and the surfaces within the environment where we have aerosols. So, if it's something where you'd spray, wipe, spray a counter, spray, wipe, spray the glasses. Just make sure that you contact your manufacturer and to, to check what you're using is safe with your eyewear. I know certain companies are really good about saying, this is our eyewear, this is what we use to make it. If you use this product, then we will support our warranty. So. I think that just that, that process of cleaning the eyewear, not only do we need to do it, but gentle reminders are sometimes needed.
0: Right. So yeah, check with your manufacturer and don't forget about your Mm -hmm. own eyewear, but yes, check manufacturer. I cannot state that enough. Um, So one last question that I'm just going to throw out there for you. Um, I hope you have an answer. So what if you're wearing a face shield? Like whoop. Do you still think, and I don't know if this is in the CDC guidelines or just opinion, and I know we don't like to speculate, but if you're wearing a face shield, would you feel that it's okay to not necessarily clean it out your own loops after every patient
1: or just like at the end of the day or maybe at lunch and at the end of the day? Right. So what I've been telling our students since they, well, we've always worn face shields when we're using the ultrasonics or producing a high level of aerosol. So face shields aren't new at the school clinic, Um, but what is new is we are wiping them more. So we're cleaning the face shield itself because because we're using it on every patient, not just the ultrasonic patients. Even with a regular assessment, we're using a face shield. So I think Um, with, with the students, I've been encouraging them to make sure if they have any visible contamination on their loops, even with a shield over it to go ahead and do the spray wipe spray. But if they're, if, if your shield is in the right place and you're wearing it correctly, there shouldn't be anything getting to the eyewear. Um, we are one of those clinics that is, that is requiring both the eyewear and the shield. I know some people are not using the eyewear and the shield. I think it's important to put one extra barrier over your eyes, especially in the the um, viral contamination climate that we've been focusing on recently. So we're using the N-level disinfectants on the on the shield between every patient, but then we're wiping our eyewear at the beginning of every day, spray wipe spray at the end of every day and anytime we see any visible spots on it. Perfect. That, that sums up my question. Thank well, and then you. that's the other thing, like, it's as a perfect example, these, these infection control recommendations, they're often recommendations, but there's no how to that comes with them oftentimes. And that's why groups like OSAP, like the things I learned from reading OSAP discussions um, are so invaluable. So
0: yeah, I'm glad you threw that resource out there because yeah, I, that, yes. Any, they even have Q and A's so many Q and A's just, oh, yeah. yeah, it's excellent. Excellent resource. Um, osap.org? Is yeah, osap.org. Boom. Okay. So I think we're going to wrap it up here. So good advice. Um, <laughs> so I want to, I want to number one, thank our sponsor Dentsply Serona for supporting yeah. this video series. And thank you to everyone for watching and especially, not especially, but especially, well, then I said it again, um, that <laughs> people that watch us, um, every month. Um, we, you know, I'm I'm always amazed. These people that tell me they watch us every month and I'm like,
1: thank you. Yeah.
0: And so it's like, I just, hope someone can, you know, pull a nugget here and there. Um, Mm -hmm. I just feel that reminders, even if it's the most to some basic, like some people are like, well, this is just basic stuff. And it's like, yeah, but
1: reviewing is not a bad thing. Why do you think we take CEs? So it's not always basic. Basic to me might not be basic to the guy down the street, and I learned so many things just through these conversations, these more casual conversations I have with hygienists. There's so many things to learn, and you just don't know till you know. Yeah, exactly. You don't know till you know, and what I have found, especially
0: in this day and age, ignorance is not bliss, like, mm-hmm. you know, because then once you know, you're, ah, anyways. So- Again, thank you, thank you, Emily. Thank you to everybody watching. Thank you, Dent Splicerona. Oh, how am I going to head out? I'll, we'll just go ahead and say, "Stay healthy and take care." Mhm Thank you for listening to the today's RDH Dental hygiene podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.